rhetorical question, okay? So I, I, I want you to raise your hand. Raise your hand if you can say, I believe that the Bible is true. Okay? Raise your hand if you can say, I believe that the Bible is powerful. Right? I believe that the Bible can help me, my family, and everyone I love. Okay? Okay? So, I want to do something a little different. Alright? Do me a favor. Stand up. Okay? Stand up. Now, what I want you to do, first off, is, is kind of put... You're gonna, you got to get yourself in the right mindset, the right position, okay? Uh, close your eyes first. All right, if you got a fist, open your fists up. All right, kind of put your hands out in front of you, if you would. Just, just as we're getting started. Maybe you can rest them on the back of the chair in front of you. Whatever it is, but leave your hands up and open. Take a deep breath and let it out slowly. Okay. What I want you to do in a moment, you're going to repeat after me, but... You're just going to repeat these things that you've already said that you believe. Alright? And if you want to, if you want to close your fist when you're saying it, that's okay. But just at the moment, just have yourself be open. So repeat after me. I believe that the Bible is true. I believe that the Bible is true. I believe that the Bible is powerful. I believe that the Bible is powerful. I believe that the Bible can help me. I believe that the Bible can help me. My family, my family, and everyone I love. And everyone I love. <laughs> Take a deep breath. Let it out. Now have a seat. Okay, so be honest here. Who felt that that was at least somewhat empowering? Anybody? Okay, so a few people. Now I know that a number of you felt like that was incredibly hokey. <laughs> right? Uh, some of you are, are, you know, channeling Stuart Smalley from SNL. Uh, if you know what I'm talking about. You know, it's, you, you probably felt like that was kind of gimmicky. But for me today, my goal is to, at the very least, persuade you that exercises and concepts like this are a powerful tool that are even supported by scripture and are useful for transforming your minds into being more in step with the spirit and less in step with the world. What Part of what you just did is called an affirmation. So you, you take something that you already believe to be true, but you, you speak it with, with a, a positive sense. I believe that this is true. And, and sometimes just stating something, like you reinforce it it, the positive you can reinforce in your mind. And you can do the same thing with the negative. But we, if, you, if you're one of the ones that, you know, you felt kind of empowered by that, my hope is to, to persuade you to start utilizing that and biblical truths with positive affirmations to continue to further renew your mind in your life. Okay? Um, so for me, I, I'll share, honestly, I have... We're going to be in Philippians 4 today, and we'll get there in a minute, but I have realized that for, for a while now, I've adopted a pretty negative outlook. I mean, I, I feel like I had 
at one time for sure was really trying to have a positive mindset. God can do anything. God will work powerfully through me. The, the just crazy visions, dreams, hopes, aspirations. I mean, just like, that was just so easy for me. Okay? And for some time, uh, that has not been true. Okay? And holding to the Bible and, and God's truths and, and living like what I know is true can be very different from really feeling and believing something is true. You guys know what I'm talking about? Anybody relate to that? And for me, I, I, it led me to feel discouraged. It's impacted my ability to lead. I feel like it's, it's affected how I can provide vision and direction even. And what I've been doing though is personally, for the last two weeks, I've been using, trying to use affirmations myself. To remind myself and even change my mind. Because what happened over time, I realized for me, is that I started just letting myself accept, like, a negative mindset. You know? Like, accepting, for example, saying, well, Vermont is just a really hard place to make people Christians. And, you know what? Even if that's true, do I want to reinforce a negative outlook? For myself, You know, does that help me be faithful to, to have a mindset that's hopeful and, and having a vision? It, it makes it harder. I can accept that it's true without letting it change my perspective. Instead of saying, you know what, I believe that God is powerful. God can save hundreds and thousands of people in Vermont. Tens of thousands. Right? I mean, do, do, I believe that that... That is fully within God's power. But that is not always how I've perceived things. You guys with me? Mm -hmm. And that's just one example. And so, like I said, for the last few weeks, I've been doing this and, and using this to kind of train my mind to think differently. And even using positive affirmations of saying, I know this is true, and, and reinforcing my own kind of brain patterns. And some of you, I know, totally think this is okay. Okay? Some of you may think it's a little bit gimmicky. But there is a lot of evidence to support this practice. And so what I actually wanted to do was bring up somebody who's going to be a little bit more of a professional on this idea. And so I wanted to invite Steph to come up here and, and just share, just for a couple minutes, um, the perspective on this idea. Thanks, Mike. Um, hi. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Steph. I am a wrapping up my second year in a clinical mental health counseling program at UVM, um, and it's super cool. So what I love about this idea is it's very in line with the concept of cognitive behavioral therapy. And for those of you who don't know, CBT is the most empirically supported form of therapy, and it's practiced to treat a number of different conditions and can be like just offer these basic foundational tools that you can apply to different areas of your life. So it's based on this idea that our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors all influence each other, right? And so a lot of the time we can't control how we feel. Like our feelings kind of come and go and, you know, there isn't very much that we can do like immediately in the moment to change that. But we do have influence on our thoughts and we have influence on our behaviors. Um, so kind of running with that idea of influencing our thoughts, 
what, so this like basic practice um, that I learned kind of through this program is it's called catch, check, change. So it's the three C's. So what you start to do is you start to catch <laughs> thoughts that you're having that aren't very helpful, right? Um, so that can be a lot of things. It can be like, I'm just really tired today. Or it can be like, man, I'm just having a hard day. It's going to be a hard week. Um, it can be something like personal, like I'm like this for myself. Like I'm a terrible person. Like that is a thought that I really got stuck in for a while. Um, and so you catch those things and then you start to check them. And it's actually super cool because there's a scripture and one that uh, we're really going to be sitting in today in Philippians 4 that goes through like some qualities of like what are helpful thoughts, right? Like what is true, what's right, what's noble. Um, and Mike will definitely speak more at length about that. But really checking the validity and how helpful and right and righteous those thoughts are. Um, and then changing them. And that takes practice, right? Like, it's hard to be like, ugh, like, I'm feeling this way and I'm thinking this way. And then to then try to take steps to think differently takes work. And it took me months to get to a point where, like, that was something consistently that I was doing. And it does feel a little bit hokey. Like, I would be sitting in my car and I'd have the thought and I'd, I'd like, I'd think, okay, I'm a terrible person. And then, like out loud like that is not true and this is what the bible says and this is why i think that it makes sense that i think that but it's not true and here's why and like starting to examine that and i started to feel differently and i started to behave differently and i think taking those steps can be really important and really helpful for people with mental health conditions and also for just all of us in our daily lives. Um, so with that, I want to invite Mike back up to teach us like how we can apply that scripturally and biblically. So. I, uh, I really appreciate you sharing stuff, so thank you so much. You know, I, I think it's one thing to say, these are good ideas, but then you're like, no, there's, there's actually a ton of evidence to support that doing these things, even if they feel a little funny at the time, you can retrain your brain to think in a better way. And, and I, I firmly believe, we're going to look at the, several passages, but we're going to look at Philippians 4 first, of that Paul was a master at this. That, that Paul had really learned to say, no, 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 no. God is with me. He, he knew it. He lived it. And he even talked about exercises in ways like, hey, do these things. You've seen me do them. You've heard me do them. You do them too. Like, put them into practice, and you will have this. And so I want to look at this scripture, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Amen? Amen. You with me? Yeah. All right. First scripture, Philippians 4. We're going to look at 4 through 9. Paul writes, God's word tells us, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. <clears throat> and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. 
Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in what, in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. I think I just had a verse 9, but we look at, at this passage and, and what Paul is talking about. Here's a letter from Paul. He's, he's written to the church in Philippi and he's calling them, these people to rejoice in the good times and in the bad. And if you read through Philippians, this is not the first time he said this. This is like many times later, he's already repeated, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. I tell you again, rejoice. And then he still says it again, rejoice. So it's coming back to this idea of saying, keep, keep this mindset. Keep saying and rejoicing in the things that are good. Because when your, your mind is focused on those things, I really believe he's talking about, you're going to be able to have greater peace. Because you're, you're focused on God and, and what, what is real in and, and, and the spiritual realm, what is real and present in this time, the good things, rather than all of the negative that can be so easily focused on. Mm-hmm. You know, so much of the spiritual good, we tend to forget when the physical bad, when the, the physical good is lacking. You guys with me? Yeah. Right? Here's a man who was like stoned multiple times, beaten multiple times. He's been put in prison. He's been like shipwrecked multiple times, spent an open night, in, in, or a, a day and a night in open sea. Like, just crazy things, you know, that have happened to this man. And the list goes on, and he's like, hey, God is good. If, if, if that had happened to any one of us in this room, we'd be like, how are you still a Christian? You guys know what I'm saying? He'd be like, you're, you're insane. Like, you're crazy. You know, and yet Paul is a man who just goes, and he, he's held on to the things of God, and he's held on. And, and I look at him, and sometimes I'm like, you are not relatable. <laughs> you're not relatable. You know, but then there's other times I look at it and, and I go, but what did he do to be able to be that way? Do I do those things? And he says, hey, imitate me and you will experience this. So my question is, is do you imitate Paul? Do you obey the scriptures and what it says here, right? He says, you know, we may doubt the idea of, oh, you know, repeating positive thinking and, and training my mind. That's a little gimmicky. But Paul's like, hey, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. How do you think he got to be content in no matter the circumstances? Right? It wasn't like he just had... And he had spiritual food, but it wasn't as though his spiritual well-being just would always manifest physical food. He talks about being hungry. I mean, there's times where he was poor, and we look at all that, right? And so, but he focused and he did these things. Do you do these things? 
Do you train your mind to think this way? Because I believe that that's, that's a large part of what Paul is talking about. And it's not just here in Philippians. We're going to look at, it, at, at a couple. But let me, honestly, how many of us, I'm going to ask a real question. How many of us have, like, bad negative thoughts? Okay. Um, what, if, if these are good ways of thinking, right? Uh, admirable, what is pure, what is lovely, excellent, praiseworthy. Those are good ways of thinking. What are some of the, the, the negative ways of thinking uh, or negative thoughts that we can kind of have? Anybody want to just throw them out there? Not good. You're not good enough. Okay. I can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah. I can't change. I can't change. Why try and just not go? Yeah. Why is God allowed things? Bad. Yeah. So we have everything from like failure to blaming the situations to, you know, really believing I'm incapable and, and all, all of these negative ways of thinking that kind of attack our, attack us. You guys with me? I mean, many of us can, can have these thoughts and yet, you know, bad things happen and they always happen to me and they're going to continue to happen to me. I mean, this, anybody ever had a thought like that, right? And so, you know, we think about that. If you, Think that way, it will skew how you view all of your life. Right? When you look at Paul's life, bad things kept happening to that guy. Good things too. And those were the things that he dwelled on and focused on. What I want to do is I want to talk at least, uh, there's a whole lot of, of bad ways of thinking. But today I want to just talk about three. Okay? And, and give us some practical tools and the ways to do this. Alright? So... See, these are at least three mindsets of the world, and what I really believe are, are ways that Satan wants us to think. These are lies that leads us into ways of thinking. You've got the idea of self-pity, you have self-loathing, self-loathing, and you have cynicism, right? And self-pity is, is like this feeling of pitying yourself because you believe that you have suffered more than is fair or reasonable, right? And, and self-pity, it's... It's interesting. Feeling sorry for yourself is normal. And, and in some instances, it can actually serve as a natural stepping stone to developing you know, a, an acceptance of difficult times, of failures uh, in your life. It, it can be a healthy thing to just kind of go back and reflect. And, and it does. That stinks. And we shouldn't just try to like move on and say, oh, that wasn't that bad. No, we can acknowledge that. The problem, though, is... is it can become a toxic habit where we it prevents us from looking to the future or or even the present and it just orients us in the negativity of the past. And that we focus on that past and all that was bad and, and then we start to think, well, now I see every situation that way. You guys with me? Mm-hmm. Anybody done that? I definitely have. And I get in an argument with my wife sometimes. That's the that's the well. You know what? I'm just, I stink. I just stink. You know, that's just how I am. And, and, and that's just not a helpful way to think. Right? And, and I, I learned that from my dad. And I realized that. And I've got to change that. That way of thinking. I cannot accept that. You know, then you have like self-loathing. It's any hatred that you direct towards yourself. And, you know, there are healthy forms of critiquing yourself. And acknowledging areas where, yeah, you know what, I'm not strong in this, I need to grow here. That's helpful. 
But then there's this negative talk, which begins to erode your own self-worth. And then this positive view of oneself, and eventually it erodes your positive view of yourself. And then eventually it can grow into even some forms of self-hate, which honestly is right where Satan wants you. He wants you to think that you're a terrible person, right? That you don't deserve to be loved, or you don't deserve this, or you don't deserve that. And, and even then, like, you got to be careful, because self-pity is right around the corner there, too. But here, it's like, I just, I don't like myself, and I feel fine about telling myself, you're stupid, that was, like, I'm always dumb, I make stupid decisions, you know, I'm a bad person, I'm not beautiful, I'm... I'm ugly, I'm not smart, I'm never going to get a good job, I'm not... Do you guys hear what I'm saying? These are all things that, that Satan's like, yeah, yeah. You know, he just sits in the background like, that's right. And, and, and yet, if you were to, you're just listening to the wrong voice in that. I mean, that's so worldly, that's totally Satan's voice and how he likes to work, and it's not godly. And yet, then you have, you have regular cynicism. And this is that, it's an inclination to believe that people are motivated purely by their own self-interest. A cynical person, they're skeptical, they're mistrustful, they're suspicious, and they're doubtful, right? Cynicism, like self-pity though, it, it isn't necessarily a bad thing, okay? Teaching our kids not to take candy from a stranger is teaching them to have a distrust for outsiders. That's not a bad thing. Right? I mean, I, I don't want my kid getting in some van with some stranger. You know, I was a little concerned when Kristen was walking around our, our condo association, and there was somebody, a new neighbor, and they were like, oh, hi. And, and James was like, I don't know them. And this was probably nine months ago. And he just, like, walked up their porch and was like, hi, and then started walking in their house. Like, just like, oh, that's a friend. You know, I'm like, all right, we need to train that, okay? You know, you don't know that person. You don't know who that is, and you de definitely do not go into their house. Um, that, that's crazy, right? You don't want that. There's an amount of cynicism that, that is good. Um, you know, I, I use a cynical part of my brain to protect me and my family all of the time. You know, it is helpful in keeping, keeping us safe. But what can happen, though, is over time, when we've been hurt many times... We begin to keep a mistrustful, suspicious, and doubtful outlook. And it casts a pall over everything, everyone, every relationship, friends, family, and faith. You guys with me? Eventually making us incapable, or at the very least, extremely hindered in our ability to make human connection. And it effectively isolates us from our friends and our Possibly our loved ones, right? You know, I, I certainly believe that it, it may actually be impossible to remain a disciple long term if, if you're cynical in this way. Because it inhibits or stops your ability to actually love people. I don't think you can be cynical and be loving. You with me? And so all of these are a toxic form of thought. And so how do we train our minds to think differently? All right. You think about it. Paul writes, he says, in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, he says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. 
We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. In Romans verse two, uh, 12, verse 2, he says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, sometimes the most powerful strongholds of Satan are not, they're not in our cities, they're not in our jobs, they're not in our neighborhoods, they're not in our homes, they're in our minds. It's the point where we've accepted Satan's lies and we let that be the foundation where we see everything else. You guys with me? And that is not what God wants. He's literally, the, the scriptures are telling us you have to transform your mind to think differently. Right? Or we've got to take captive those thoughts. And I love that, that Steph shared her three C's and it's like, you've got to catch it. Right? You've got to catch it. What were the other two? Check it. Check it. And change it. Right? You think about that. Take captive. And you check it and you change it. That's what we're talking about. I mean, that's and in Paul, he's saying, "Look, we don't fight with swords or spears. We fight with prayer. We fight in the Spirit. We fight with the Word of God. We we live and we do things differently. And even the way we think is different from the world. You with me? And it it takes time, I think, and I think it can be a miracle of the Holy Spirit, but." Your life will always be a renewing of your mind. If you've been around for 30 years, you know that I'm right. If you've been around five years, you know that I'm right. If you've been around for a couple weeks, you know what? You might already know that I'm right. But it's still, like, we look at this and we go, you will never be able to stop trying to renew your mind. Why? Because the world will always be trying to pull you back. And Satan will always be whispering in your ear something other than... What is God's way of living and being and thinking? Right? So, how do we do this? Right? We, we've got to take captive those thoughts. We've got to rebuke that way of thinking. We've got to, of the unspiritual, worldly way. And we've got to refute the ideas with Scripture. Renew our minds with those Scriptures. You know, we need to come to the Bible. Find this, the spiritual truths that refute them. And choose to dwell on what is noble right and praiseworthy. You've got to put it into practice. You know, so how can we do this? I think we can do it by a powerful combination of both this positive self-affirmation and scripture to help us. I think that if you use the scriptures alone, you're going to benefit. I really believe that because God's word is powerful and effective. But I do believe that Paul is talking about transforming your mind. And renewing it and and using it and thinking differently. And part of this self-affirmation, it's just, I'm going to call it cognitive behavioral training, right? It's really the same same thing. And I love that Steph shared, it's not just for the mentally ill. And this can be for everybody. There are tons of millionaires who like claim this is their fame. Like they're, they're like, this is what I do and it helps me. And so when you think like, I'm not saying like, hey, we want to just look to them. I'm just saying really effective, healthy, there's a number of people who are healthy and, and do really well. They use this stuff. 
So if you feel like, I'm too good for that, well, humble out, bro. <laughs> humble out, sister. You know, that's all I got to show on that. But, you know, so let's look at these three main, main uh, negative ways of thinking really quick. And so we looked at the self-pity, self-loathing, and cynicism. What I want to do is, is let's talk about self-pity. What is the scripture, right, that, that we can look at to renew our minds with the scripture and say, what's a positive affirmation to follow it up? Right, so combating self-pity starts with taking yourself out of the past and moving our hearts and minds onto a focus in the positive present and future. Okay? So it's not just the present and the future, it's to a positive present and future. So many people, in, in, they, they get into that self-pity like, I've always been this way, right? And it's just, things are going to keep stinking. And, and that's just not how it needs to be. You know, I think of this scripture here in Philippians 3, verse 12. So let's just take the scripture and then make ourselves this affirmation. You can already see it up there. But in verse uh, 12, it says, Not that I've already obtained all of this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I, I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He's like, and, and there he's been talking about the good things he had in the past and the bad. And he says, guys... Forget all that. Let's look to the positive present now and the future. What's coming? You with me? And so if you were to take this scripture, let's say self-pity is your thing, and you were to take this scripture, and, and there's many, many, many others that you could use, but you could just make an affirmation that says, I am forgetting what is behind, and I'm joyfully looking forward to heaven. I am, I am embracing today as a blessing and seeking out Christ today. Now here's the thing. Most of us, many of us, because most of you didn't raise your hand when I said we felt empowered by that, so are going to feel like this is weird. Like, many of us will feel like this is weird. I've been doing things like this for the last two weeks. Okay? And maybe you think I'm weird, but I'm going to tell you I found it really helpful. It's already been helping me. And I, and I think that I'm going to continue to do this because it's helping me shape my mind in a different way. You know, I think of self-loathing, right? Self-loathing, just hating who you are. It's, it's, you got to redefine, not how you view yourself, how does God view you? You know, as a Christian, God's view of you should be a foundational, foundationally more important. And, and even then, it can change our own view. He says, for you were created in my, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. You know, I think if you sat down and you just could meditate on the idea of, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I made this a whole lot longer, this affirmation, and I was like, you know what? If you ever have trouble with self-loathing or self-hatred, just start with something simple like this. Just, just this. And meditate on that idea uh, that that's how God made you. Now, I do want to share really quick because I think it's important. If you're at the point where you feel like you're self-loathing um, 
or even if you're at any of these to an extreme, I want to actually strongly encourage you to seek mental health counseling. Okay? With, with a mental health professional, because this type of mindset is said to come from, well, specifically mental uh, self-loathing. It, it comes from an upbringing that, that may have been less than great, oftentimes. And you deserve to have someone who's going to be able to help you overcome this. You know, really, if you feel like you have any of these outlooks, I encourage you, if they're to an extreme, you, you probably should see a mental health professional. Because you got to talk about this stuff. This will help you. I really believe it. I, I believe that using the scriptures and using just even these kind of things are going to be powerful in helping you. But if you're in a really stuck place, I, you should get some extra help. Amen? Amen. You know, but I look at this and, and just know that negative self-talk, you want to start by just combating the foundational views of yourself and go to God to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, the last one I look at is, is this one. You know, it's, it's cynicism. And there's two scriptures I want to read for this one. Um, but the goal here is not... I, I just want to be clear. I'm not trying to get you to remove... All skepticism. I'm not trying to get you to be like a naive butterfly that just floats around and is like, oh, everything's great, you know, and nothing ever bad is going to happen. And that's that's not what we're talking about, okay? Uh, you know, the goal here is is that you are you're going to remove some of the barriers. You're going to remove the barriers that have been there. You know, believing that. You're told that you always have to protect yourself. You know, that's going to keep you from being able to make human connection. And so the goal is to break out of the cynical mindset that hinders a Christ-like mind and a heart. A cynic cannot love people with the love of God. Because they believe that they must now protect themselves at all costs. You know, look at this scripture in 1 Corinthians 13, 4-8. It says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. As a cynic... You literally cannot be that way. If you become an overcome, uh, become overcome by a cynical mindset, you literally have just lost hope. That, that no, people are always going to do this, and I'm all, you know, I've got to protect myself. I cannot let people in. And I just want to encourage you, you've got to resolve it. Because if you don't, you literally cannot be a disciple of Jesus because you're not able to love people. You with me? Mm-hmm. You know, I thought of this as a reviewing scripture. Psalm 31, 1 through 5. It says, If you, Lord, in you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my refuge or to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. 
Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Keep me free from the trap that is set for me, for you are my refuge. In your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. You know, I encourage you to read all of Psalm 31, honestly, because I think this psalmist is probably struggling with cynicism. Like, I really encourage you to go back and, and read it, like, later. Um, but my heart, if, if you can think that my heart and my integrity are safe in God and in His love, that I can embrace that there's security there with God, you can move past some of this, right? And a, a lot of cynicism comes from, well, I need to, I need to protect my, either my mind, myself, my family, my body, my, whatever. And, and again, like I said, that's not a bad thing. But having a, a worldview and a total outlook that's kind of like defined by it is so damaging. Uh, and, and so I think it starts with saying, my refuge is going to be in God. God is going to be what protects me. All right? And so that's why I put this as the affirmation. My heart and my integrity, because people are worried about looking foolish if you're a cynic. You're often worried, I don't know if that's true, I don't want to believe that until I know for sure. But my heart and my integrity are safe in God and in His love. I embrace this security and I can lovingly extend my heart to others. And the reason I put that in the other part is can joyfully is because that may be an addition for later. You may not be able to joyfully extend your heart to others yet. But I think that the goal should be to get to that place once again, if that's where you're at. You with me, guys? Yeah. So all of these really, I mean, it's these are just tools. And think about, maybe it seems silly to you, but it's a practical tool that you can use in combination with Scripture. And, and I encourage you, speak about that. Write them down. I, I literally have my planner, and I can show them to you after. If you come and, and ask me, I'll show you. I have my own that I'm trying to read every morning. I'm repeating through, to myself throughout the day, and I'm trying to do them again at night to change my own mindset. You with me? So I encourage you to do this. Uh, some of these I've gone to Scriptures for. Some of them are just things that I, I feel like I need to reinforce that. This is true, right? Um, I encourage you this week, go home, ask yourself, what are your worldly ways of thinking? Ask other disciples, right? Do you see me having any worldly outlook? Sometimes we're going to be blind to it, honestly. Uh, ask the people around you that work, maybe even. They, they might be able to tell you. You know, take that info, study out some scriptures that counter that way of thinking. Don't accept Satan's lies in your life. Don't allow them to determine your outlook. Let's think differently. Let's be differently. Let's, let's feel free. Let's feel peaceful. Let's enjoy the peace that transcends the understanding, right? Amen. And I think that that's what Paul is saying. You can do this. What you've seen in me, what you've heard from me, what, what, you've, what you've got, do it. Don't just merely listen to the word. Do what it says. Right? And so, in conclusion, like I said, I said, learning to rejoice in all circumstances, right? Cast off your anxieties. Dwell on what is noble, right, good, and in what is going to transform your mind and renew your mind. Dwell on those things. The scriptures say that we should put it into practice. Let's do it.
One of the things that I love is that even the science of the world supports that God's word is true. God's way of doing things is right. This stuff works. Take his word. Take these actions. Let's do them together. Let's change our minds and know the will of God. Amen. Amen. Amen.